Hey, Philo community, welcome to February. How is this even possible? I mean, the time is flying by. Anyway, you know what? Recently, the Philo team gathered together to officially kick off the Philo season. And it was the first time we'd all been together since the last Philo back in May of 2018. And it was really amazing to reconnect and talk about all the updates that we've been working on since May of last year. I mean, we've been working nonstop since last Philo. Anyway, I was really blown away by this group and I just can't believe I'm amazed at their heart and passion for you, the technical artists in the local church. And you know what? Philo 2019 is going to be pretty incredible in large part because of this Philo core team. If you haven't signed up already, I mean, you don't want to miss it. So go check us out, philo.org. Sign up today. You know, a side note about signing up, our early bird pricing ends on February 21st, which if you're listening to this in real time, that's in a couple weeks. And we'd rather have you save your church's money by signing up for the cheapest price available. So check out our website, follow.org. All the details are there. Um, If this is your first time listening to our podcast, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. Basically an extension of Philo Conference all the time. In this episode of our podcast, I had the pleasure to talk to Debbie Keogh. I got to see her recently at the latest installment of the Mix You Live event in Anaheim, which by the way, if you're an audio type person, Mix You Live is an amazing event. So uh, they, I mean, they really dig deep into all the audio and kind of personal leadership as it relates to doing production in the local church. And we're really excited that they're going to be the day before Philo in Chicago. Their tickets are going on sale soon. Check out their website, mxu.rocks. Anyway, all that to say, I saw Debbie recently. We were talking about this podcast episode, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. Debbie is a front of house engineer at Water of Life Church in Fontana, California, which is the Inland Empire. So not LA, not Orange County. But if you're from the Inland Empire, they would say the best part of Southern California. She also is a freelance engineer and a trainer for Avid on their consoles, as well as just always being in the habit of training whoever happens to be nearby with whatever needs to be taught. It was a great conversation. Let's get right to it. I'm here with my special guest this week, Debbie Keogh. Debbie, welcome. How you doing, Todd? Yeah, I'm doing all right. We're going to talk about a few things today, mostly audio related, but would love for you to kind of just give us an idea of what do you do now and how you got to this point. Yeah, what's your what do you say you spend your time doing now? Okay, so you want me to go backwards. I can do that. So currently, I am just a freelance technical contractor. If you want me okay. to do a backflip, I will probably just roll over backwards, not do a flip. But I specialize primarily in training, curriculum, obviously mixing audio, broadcast audio, stuff like that. I'm kind of just all over the place, whatever anybody needs. Uh, I've got a really cool regular weekend gig that I've been at for two and a half years at uh, Water of Life Church. It's a great relationship. How I got here is a longer story. A lot like everybody else, you start young (laughs) and you get interested in something. Well, I was a musician, so I played drums and guitar. Don't ask me to play it now. Um, (laughs) I'm really rusty. Check. Check, yes. So, But as it goes, you go out and you gig around and everybody wants to record an album. But back in those days, it was analog. So we're in a studio and it's a big console and the audio engineer says, hey, could 
one of you guys help me mix the other side of the console? And so that's how I got involved. And he's like, okay. you're really good at that. You want to like maybe hang out more? So I started hanging out in the studio. Long story short, I kind of dabbled in it, but I actually went to school for graphic design and photography, and I took off on a big photo career. So if you guys look at my Instagram, you'll notice all these photos. and like, why does she take nothing but photos of landscapes and stuff? Well, that's uh-huh. kind of why. <laughs> but all along the photography career, I was still doing a little bit of audio on the side, uh, okay. studio work or stuff with House of Worship. And it's just, this is how God works. He smacks you upside this head and he says, wait a minute, hold it. I have been giving you this gift all along and it's really time for you to start serving me and doing this. So I kind of did a 180 with everything. Okay. So I flipped over and started doing, uh, I would say, worship arts, tech arts, stuff like that full time. And okay. The audio graphic design kind of became the secondary, like minor portion of some Got things. It. Okay. So that's kind of how it went. And eventually I was making friends with several people down the road. And as you guys know now, currently I'm doing a lot of training and curriculums. So how did I get involved with that? So a friend of mine at a studio down in San Diego, they were starting up a school and they were teaching courses. And they're like, hey, I have to teach this course about this console, and I know nothing about it. <laughs> I'm like, that's cool to hear from a teacher. At least you're honest. <laughs> so he's like, can you come down and hang out with me? Now, I took Pro Tools classes from him years ago, so we had been friends. And so I go down, and I pretty much answer every question he has about this live sound console. And he's like, great, can you come back next week? Same, <laughs> same time, same channel. All that. So I come back, hang out with him, answer all of his questions. He's like, hey, you want to take this test online? I didn't even read the book, but apparently I passed the test. He's like, hey, you want to teach the class? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm like, okay. So that's how I got involved with teaching is apparently I knew the questions and answers. So, um, but that evolved. So um, it It's no short story that I do a lot of stuff with Avid. So as it went down the rabbit hole, I started writing a lot of curriculum for them. Okay. Starting with which console? Uh, Back with the profiles. So that was what my friend was asking questions about. Hey, you know anything about this console called a profile? (laughs) So that's how it started. And then I was updating the profile curriculum for their certification courses as well as teaching the courses. Then when SXL came along, I was already a tester for SXL. And it made sense since I already knew their strategy of curriculum and how to write it hey, can you write the SXL curriculum? So I got involved with that. That's how I really got deep-ended into the teaching, development, and stuff like that. Okay, which I'm imagining having that gear really comes in handy working with volunteers and people who are just like regular folks, uh, not professional audio people. I guess, were you training volunteers at that time when you were doing all this, or is it something that kind of happened after you'd already been teaching these classes? 
Oh, no, the fun part was uh, as a tester with S6L, volunteers were trained along the way. So uh, <laughs> we're often testing pre-release software, and so I would just start laughing so hard. Look, I found a bug, and the volunteers <laughs> freak out. And so the volunteers or other people that worked around me, they actually kind of know what to look for now. And I, I think it actually helped the volunteers because it helped them troubleshoot things going, sure, this right. doesn't seem right. Oh yeah, I, I take volunteers on the whole ride with me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Just thinking about figuring out how to explain something to someone who doesn't know anything is not something that every tech person can do. A lot of us can do the thing, but can't really explain how we do it. I think there's something really beneficial about the idea of I'm working on how to explain this so that someone else can understand. It's not an exercise that many of us have to go through. Correct. Or don't go through. We should, but yeah, we don't. Yeah. I, I think you just have to break it down into its basic form. It's just like, here, push up the fader to unity or zero. They don't know what unity is. So say, push, sure. push it up till it hits zero. Oh, I know what zero is. Or, right. hey, press the mute button. Most people, even non-techie people, know what a mute button is. Right. I simplify things so much as like the lighting guy next to me, I'm on stage doing something and they start a song. Well, I program all these snapshots. Well, the lighting guy can walk over, select the song and hit recall. Uh-huh. He doesn't even have to know what's going on, but right. he knows how to select the song and hit recall. He does, right. he's like, you break it down into its simplest form and you can bring people along the ride and uh, really build into their experience like they actually are participating even though they don't know anything. Sure, yeah. And have you noticed, I mean, it seems like there's maybe two kinds of volunteers. This is, I'm over way oversimplifying this, but there are some that they really want to do it but don't have the maybe what it takes or the capacity for it. Yeah. And then there are those that just soak it up and take in everything you're saying and then some. I mean, how do you, for somebody that is maybe not totally picking up the training, like how do you handle those types of situations? Uh. I still take them down the same rabbit hole and bring them up through the process in the same way. I think the ones that struggle take longer, and I think I always have to let them make the decision that it's not working. Uh But I will always make time to invest. A majority of my preferred training is one-on-one time. I just maximize the whole technology of virtual sound check. So volunteers that are nowhere remotely ready to mix an event, they're on the consoles mixing fairly early in their experience because of virtual sound checks. So as long as they keep showing up and they keep trying, I will find something for them to do. And say your mother would show up and she didn't (laughs) know anything about audio or my Mm -hmm. sister shows up. She doesn't know anything about audio, but she knows how to plug in a power strip and she knows how to run an extension cord. So as long as they can keep participating, doing basics, Mm -hmm. I will find areas for them at their level. They will have to decide that, hey, I'm not getting anything out of it. Sure, right. But if they keep showing up and they don't really excel, well, I still have something for to do. Now, the ones that want to excel, that's a whole nother topic. You can, you can just keep taking them as far as you want to go. 
do you have like a checklist of you need to know this many things before you can run audio for a weekend service? Or is it more of a, this person's ready, so let's throw them in? It's more or of is a, a combination. It's a combination. I guess it's more of a mental checklist now. I did mention I was a musician. I actually, at one point in my early musician career, did an after-school program for junior hires and high school kids. Oh, wow. It's my affinity for working with young students. I actually had at one point 15 drum students, and I actually oh, wow. make made notes on the progress for each student. Now, I kind of make mental notes with audio students in the same way. I use my notes app sometimes, and I usually put down, hey, work on this with so-and-so next time. Right, okay. But it's still kind of a bit of a mental progress bar, and that if they keep showing up, just killing it with virtual sound checks, I use virtual sound checks from anything from random concerts to service audio, and they have to work through that. And if they start going through full service audio really well and they can just do the basics, I can help them through the rest. Like the lighting right. guy can recall snapshots. <laughs> sure, yeah, right. Um, so if I can get the snapshots <laughs> set up with these newer volunteers, I can probably do I have had worship leaders walk up next to me, hey, you want to mix service? They look at me scared like, what the heck? And I'm like, no, I, I'll get you. <laughs> and I actually have had worship leaders who didn't even know what was going on. As long as they kept hitting next on the console, recalling yeah. the scenes and snapshots, it, they actually did it with success. So that's the other thing is making sure you are there for their success as opposed to, hey, you're mixing audio, I'm taking the weekend off. Sure, you right. Can, you can't do that. Yeah, there's something about, especially the audio front of house position is the hottest seat in the room. Oh, yeah. And that's just, that's not something that you can just throw at somebody and imagine they'll succeed at. I mean, it takes a lot of work, yeah, to make sure that somebody's going to sit down and really thrive in that position. And yeah, just like you were saying, the idea of snapshots and all that definitely helps that as long as they're set up properly and they're hitting it at the right time, I mm -hmm. guess. I, I was thinking as you were talking about the lighting person, you should relabel the recall button go and then they would be, <laughs> would be they wouldn't know the difference. Oh, that's, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll get some gaff tape and put it over my next button next time. Yeah, so go. He'll, he'll laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. And just even talking about virtual sound check, I mean, when I was learning to do audio, that was not a thing that was available. And that definitely changes the game. I mean, you, because mixing is such a, it's a trade, it's a skill that you have to develop by doing. You've got this built-in way of doing something that has very little harm will come from you missing something. Yeah. Let, let me talk a, a lot about actually virtual sound yeah. check, which... I, I think we can go all the way back to our buddy Robert Scoville, who actually figured out how to do this with analog consoles. And of yeah. course, he made sure it happened with the consoles that he works with today and helps develop. But your musicians all go home and they practice. Vocalists, yeah. they go home and they practice. And back in the day, how do audio engineers practice? They don't. They, right. Their practice is the job or the right. event. And that's a little bit sketchy to think, oh, we're learning and training <laughs> on the job. Okay, well, now virtual sound check is here. Why aren't we practicing more? I, I even had a conversation with an audio engineer just recently. He's like, hey, I want to come over and check out your consoles. 
And I'm like, well, yeah, come on over, dude, and you can do a virtual sound check. Oh, I want to mix a weekend. Well, you'll actually learn more about the consoles and all the the ins and outs if you do a virtual sound check. I, I think it's still, the industry's fighting it a little. Right. And I've got new guys, they're like, they just want to mix the event. I'm like, well, bro, you need to just pound some hours in virtual sound check and take even further. Can you mix an event? Yeah, but if you want to take it to another level, right. just pound your hours. Yesterday, just myself, I did three hours of virtual sound check. I was just noodling and trying new reverbs and... It doesn't mean I changed my show file, but I was just trying new things and right. different ideas and philosophies, and I learned things. So I think all of us as audio engineers, from the most pro to the beginner, it's a massive training and development tool. And I think audio is still really underestimating what the value of that is. Right. You just embrace it, guys. That's the best way I can say well, I think of the disciplines, it's the one that you haven't, I mean, without a band on stage, you haven't been able to do anything. Whereas lighting, I mean, you're putting in so many hours just making sure everything's perfect and working. And and so they're kind of used to that mode. But yeah, audio, it's just a, maybe a new muscle to flex that we have this opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Do you feel like there's a balance between like working so hard to get something perfect versus what is my question? I don't I, know. I, I think I, I know I know your question here. Yeah. So I think there's a difference from, I would say, like a Cirque du Soleil show. It is mm-hmm. exactly the same every night. It's predictable. Yeah, yeah. go ahead and dial in that 2%. Um, yeah. I think worship, even with, if I have the ability to have, say, a Tuesday rehearsal and have time to virtual sound it, check it by Sunday, I know they've gone home and changed some things, and I know they respond when God kicks in. Yeah. So there is a bit of a worship element. So do I program snapshots along my rehearsal? Absolutely. But I also have the ability at any time to just organically move with the music. And I think that's part of, uh, hopefully that's the question you wanted to know. (laughs) I don't think the audience is going to notice 2% of perfection at that point because I may go with what's programmed or I may go way out of the box because the audience is just moving, God's moving, and you need something else in your mix. So I think always be willing to move organically with your Mm -hmm. mix. I think lighting is the same thing. Sometimes it has to be organic. Now, you get down to your Christmas and Easter's when you've had rehearsals after rehearsals after rehearsals. Yeah, go ahead, dial it in. Yeah. Be prepared, though, to still move organically because you're dealing with a worship environment. Right. Yeah, and I think when you have, let's just call it unlimited time, you have all this time now to to dial in something exactly perfectly or whatever, it feels, too, like you can kind of paint yourself into a corner so that you can't, it makes it very difficult to be organic in the moment because you've done so many things in the virtual sound check that now you you have to do those things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you go to the studio if you want to do that. Right. Well, and I think too, <laughs> when you stack up, like how should I be, let's just pretend you're a um, staff member at a church and your job is to mix. How should you be spending your time? Should you spend an entire eight hours doing a virtual sound check redo from the rehearsal you just had? Or 
four hours of that and four hours of having somebody with you and you're letting them do it. Maybe redefining what is perfection. Are we developing people or are we just trying to make things more perfect? Oh, that's a good one. I think that all depends on your culture. If volunteers are not an option, obviously you're doing this by yourself. I'm not sure I'd spend eight hours doing it though. (laughs) If you're somebody like me and I have the option, I would love to bring people along the ride with me. Mm -hmm. And some of that is, is you still want a day off. You still want to sit back and just enjoy the PA sometimes because we're going to go deeper down the rabbit hole in philosophy. I do think we're here in ministry to equip more people to serve God. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a big believer in that. I'm an independent contractor. Sometimes I'm told, hey, your job is to mix front of house. That That's okay. I do bring people along for the ride with me, even as a contractor. Right, so right. like the worship pastor's got the weekend off. Well, I ended up making him mix audio and he laughs at it. And Or somebody from children's ministry walks up, well, I end up making her mix yeah. audio and, <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. But I like bringing people along for the ride with me. I've worked with uh, where I'm contracting now, our monitor engineer a lot, and I've got him mixing front of house a little bit. Okay. He's learning about virtual sound check. I don't think there's any reason that you can't do both, even though my job is to mix front of house, bring people along for the ride with you. Because I, I, like I said, I just have a deeper philosophy that we're here to equip more people to serve God. Well, I think even if you, maybe I'm taking this way out of context and yeah, let's just pretend I am, but you just think about Jesus' commandment you know, at the end of Matthew, you know, like go and make disciples. Like the yeah. part of making disciples is replicating yourself. And I think, you know, you could read that verse and, you know, it's about making more Christians and, but there's part of it that as a audio engineer or a tech person, it's like, I'm a Christian too. And part of who I am is this thing that I'm doing. And so- yeah. Let's, I'm going to pass that on too. And I feel like if it's all about just me getting better, that just can only go so far. You know, in my example of spending eight hours on a virtual sound check, I mean, you're, yeah, you, you can only get so much better. And then what, then, then, then what, what are you going to do to make yourself feel better or like you're improving? Pass it on to someone else. Like, I just, I'm, I'm with you. I think developing people is, whether we need it or not, uh, the church needs it or not, which they do, you know, we need people involved. Yeah, just pass on what you know. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't be afraid to take some risks, obviously, but in a low-risk controlled environment. <laughs> we were talking a little bit pre-show about some things, and I've been in some various scenarios where I've had a lot of volunteers leave due to some leadership decisions. And how do you suddenly run a tech team with no volunteers? Well, (laughs) I took some risks once in that I needed a lot of volunteers quickly. There was an up-and-coming VBS. And we we all get excited about VBS, right? Totally, yeah. Uh, (laughs) A lot of screaming kids everywhere. But I needed the kids. Yeah. Because all the adults had left the church. It, it, there were, by the way, there were some leadership changes at this church, and as we all know, sometimes that can wreak havoc on uh, attendance. Anyway, I think God uses everything for good because this was pretty rad. I went up to the Move Up Weekend for junior high, okay. so all of the new junior hires. 
this was their first week. Uh-huh. And of course, they're excited to sign up for everything. So I took advantage of that. So <laughs> here, take, take some leadership notes here, guys. And they also were, all of them were not eligible for VBS. Right. Yeah, they're they too old. Love, yeah, right. They're too old for. So I'm like, okay, guys. I am looking for volunteers. I am looking for people to help me with VBS. And I had over a dozen signups. Oh, wow. Within minutes. <laughs> okay. I think it ended up being in somewhere around 18 by the time it was all done. Wow. So this is a huge risk, guys. Now, I brought all these kids in and I kind of segmented them up based on their uh, interests, most of them actually wanted to run camera, which was great because I needed camera ops. (laughs) And I had an 18-year-old to do audio already, so that was great. I grabbed a couple of the high schoolers that knew ProPresenter, and I had an older junior hire that knew lighting pretty well. He knew hog programming pretty darn well, yeah. So I took a whole bunch of key students. I had a 16-year-old video director that I swear should be mixing video at a megachurch. He was amazing. And so everybody was responsible for training the new ones. Okay. And it was hilarious having all these kids going everywhere. They were literally climbing the walls on, in front of house, like climbing over the walls <laughs> in front of house. During one portion in VBS, one was spinning around in a chair and the chair slowly tipping over. I just reach around and grab the back of the chair. But, you know, it's a risk. Go for it, guys. But the cool thing was I was mentoring the high school kids to up their game even further. So they were invested in and felt like, oh, I'm now a leader. So these were my existing volunteers. And then they got to train all these new volunteers. So for the next year and a half, and even after I left staff on that church, there was just this massive amount of kids running tech everywhere, all positions. Uh It was crazy. And by the end of that same VBS, I would sit down at some point and talk to these kids about their experience. And and some of them, yeah, introverts. But <laughs> we would literally talk about, so what is it for you to worship through the lens of that camera? Mm-hmm. So not only are you developing your text down the road, you're also having these really cool God moments with these kids. Right. And I don't see why you can't have these same God conversations with your adults. Like, so what is it for you to worship through that lens of a camera that you've been sitting at for hours? How how are you viewing worship and what are you getting out of it? So um, there's a really long um, explanation of taking people along for a ride with you. Yeah. Well, and I think well, I just think about my own journey as a tech person. I didn't start in middle school, but later in high school, and you could not get me to stop. I was around for everything. I wanted to learn more. I and the church I was at growing up, it was all high school kids that were really making it happen. And mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. we didn't have the opportunity, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah. Because I think I never would have been exposed to it or figured out that I was decent at it and that I love doing it. And yeah, I just think if we if we kind of don't entrust the younger kids in our churches with, you know, opportunities in the main room to do stuff or in all the other venues that might need it, yeah, I think we're doing 
the kids a disservice. We're doing our church a disservice. Yeah, there's so much great stuff there. Yeah, and, and just like I said, don't be afraid to take the risk. Also, always have a backup plan for them. All these new kids that came in, they had the older kids with them uh-huh. at all times. And I was always there at all times. So we had backups for the backups. <laughs> so even if mistakes happened, people in the audience had no idea what was going on because we had all catch the small mistakes. Sure. And so there was a high amount of risk that was actually low risk. Okay. It was it was kind of crazy to think think that way, but it, it it was all positions. It's just not audio. We're you know, we've been talking about audio this whole time, but if you've got the ability to equip people and keep them confident knowing that hey, it's okay to mess up because nobody else is going to notice they messed up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, make make sure they're always succeeding at some point while continually improving on, hey, try this and as opposed to that and see if that works better for right, you. Right, right. So there, there's ways to, you know, capitalize on any mistakes and make them feel good about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think mistakes are bound to happen. doesn't matter if you've been doing it forever or you're just starting. But the the trick for me was always, what are we going to learn from them? You know, how, yeah, how are yeah. we going to get better because of what just happened? And I think, too, when I was at Willow Creek, without counting in my head right now, there's like nine venues that have production support. And so volunteers everywhere. And it was so great because you could have somebody learning in the two-year-old room how to run lights. And it was basically on and off. But they're in front of a lighting console and learning the concept. And if they miss a cue... You know, they're two, they're the two-year-olds. They're, they're not going to care. Yeah. Um, and so all these lower <laughs> pressure environments where kids can learn and, and, you know, get repetitions in a live setting on a digital audio console. Okay, mm-hmm. there's only two mics, but you're learning how the thing works and how to operate through the menus and all that stuff. And I mean, most kids know how to do that anyway, uh, just – they're exposed to phones and, you know, and all that you stuff. You know what the really cool thing about kids is? They're a bit brutally honest. And mm. um, I am really known for when I teach my courses or even work with volunteers and tell them, hey, there's no stupid questions and you can actually ask anything. Uh-huh. So I had a junior hire because I apparently I, I've had a lot of junior <laughs> hires to work with in my past. He's been on, uh, I think every junior hire at this point may have been on an X32, but he's also been on a Digico and he's been on the Avid S6L. Oh, wow. And I've taken him through various things, but because he got to do all that, he's learned to ask a lot of questions. I'm mixing a talking head event. And as you know, when we get older, sometimes our higher hearing frequencies kind of drop off. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this junior hire has dog hearing and he walks in, he says, what's that ringing? Well, I can't, I couldn't hear it, Uh honestly. So I take a low pass filter for you guys who don't know what that is. It's basically, you're starting to cut the high frequencies and I start rolling it off and he says, oh, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> now, it was a very adult audience. He's probably the only one that's hearing it. I certainly <laughs> didn't. And right around 17K, he says it's gone. Okay. I yeah. could not hear 17K yeah. anymore. And I, I turned it on and off. He's, no, that's definitely, it, it, it was just kind of cool. So, you know, 
Being able to give them the confidence to always ask these questions is great, but I think even us as pros, we have to also be willing to be the students. Let them ask questions. Let them teach us. And I think there's something even for us to learn from there. I mean, it's, I think it's beneficial both ways, getting to mentor and develop other students and volunteers. Right. Now, there's something about you know, to work really hard at your craft, to get really good at it, and then to to maybe have your church say, hey, we need you to train some volunteers to do what you do. Well, I mean, you've been working your whole life for how good you are now. Do you ever feel threatened or like, do you think this is just magic what happens or that anybody can do what I do? But I'd just be curious how that that my statement makes you feel. Are you just not threatened or are you feel appreciated or what, what is the... Oh gosh, that, that's kind of a, that can be a hot button issue yep. with some people in some churches. I think ultimately you have to go with what you're passionate about. If you love developing people, go for it. I've learned as many transitions as I've made, God is always providing for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm in this contractor world right now and God is providing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, was I laid off from a job last? Yeah, I still have great relations with that church. They just went through a massive downturn. I wasn't replaced by somebody I trained, but everybody that I've trained as volunteers is they're rocking it yeah. and they're serving God. And some of them... Some of the now high schoolers have actually gotten part-time jobs with local uh, production companies. Oh, wow. So how could I be bothered by, I was replaced by volunteers. Yeah. Because I've given these kids a gift to serve God. Mm -hmm. And God is obviously taking care of me. So go with what you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about Teaching volunteers, that's okay. God's got other jobs for you, and maybe you're going to be the front of house guy at the next great concert tour. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But I think investing in the kids for our churches is maybe some of the best leadership decisions anybody can make. And I'm not talking just techs. I'm talking about youth pastors. I'm talking about executive pastors. I think it covers every aspect of ministry. So why shouldn't we as techs be walking down the same road? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so good. Thank you so much for making time for us. It's been a great conversation. And wow, we should yeah. we should maybe talk some more because I think we could probably talk for a long time about many things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us. Talk to you again. Absolutely. Later. Thank you so much, Todd. One, two, three, Man, I really love Debbie's take on working with everyone who shows interest. I mean, so often we can look past the people that are right in front of us because maybe they're not quite ready or they don't fit the volunteer role that we need filled in that moment. But I just love that Debbie's perspective is just, hey, who's here and let's put them to use. If they're available and teachable and showing interest, yeah, let's go. Good stuff. Thanks, Debbie. If you already follow us on social media, at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram, or at Philo Conference on Twitter, or if you subscribe to our email, you know that we have announced some of our main session speakers most recently. One of those speakers is Mike Foster, who runs a podcast called Fun Therapy, as well as he leads a ministry called People of the Second Chance. 
Another one of our main session speakers that we just announced is Ryan Howell, who's the arts director at Watermark Church in Dallas. Both of these guys have been tech people in a previous life, and so I know I'm really excited, and I can't wait to hear their perspective on what we do as technical artists in the local church. I think it's going to be a couple great main session talks there. You know what? We also have been mentioning this on the podcast before, but we got a chance to talk to the head of production for the Eurovision Song Contest, Ola Melzig. And if you're a production person and you've never heard of Eurovision, it probably means you're from the United States. I mean, the rest of the world is pretty aware of Eurovision. Since it's the largest production with the largest television audience each year, I think double the size of this year's Super Bowl audience. So around 200 million, crazy. So if you're coming to Philo, and if you aren't, why aren't you? I have a homework assignment for you. Go to youtube.com and type in Eurovision, one word, 2018 live. And you'll see all the crazy, amazing things they did last year. The production level is out of this world. So this will give you a chance for our context with Ola. Also coming up in a little while, uh, we're still a few months off, but he does a diary, kind of a blog of his time getting ready for the event. So this year's event is in Tel Aviv, I believe. And so he's going to be working starting in April, getting ready for that event. Once we get a link to that, we'll definitely shoot it out to everybody so you can kind of follow along with what Ola is about. Our closing session speaker this year is Jeannie Stevens, who's the lead pastor at Soul City Church in downtown Chicago. I mean, I love that church. And Jeannie and her husband, Jared, have done an amazing job of creating a culture for the arts and production to thrive. If you remember, we talked with Sarah Emerson and Chris Wheat, who are from Soul City, a couple of podcast episodes ago. And so we love what God is doing there. And we're really excited for the Philo community to catch some of that at Philo 2019. All right. So don't forget to sign up for Philo 2019 before February 21st. I mean, you can get your tickets at the cheapest price available, which is 50% off the total price. I mean, we really want to save your church as much money as possible. So sign up now, please. If you listen to these podcasts in real time, it's like a little over two weeks. So yeah, do it. Don't hesitate. All right. So if you go to our website, philo.org, you'll find all the details about Philo 2019. We're adding stuff all the time main session speakers, bios, breakout faculty. We have about 50 different classes that will be taught. So that's up from last year quite a bit. All the stuff is there. So if you like our podcast, don't forget, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts from. Yeah, give us a review. We'd love to know how we're doing. And, you know, we'd love to get better. So send us your ideas and feedback at philopodcast at fusion.productions. All right, until next time. Music.